welcome back to Netflix and Kill, a podcast dedicated to reviewing and documenting the horror films of Netflix. I'm Kai. I'm Marty. And I'm Han. So, um, in addition to everything going on, this movie also stresses not traveling abroad for very different reasons. Um, <laughs> yeah. Which, um, I, I don't, uh, yeah, no, that's the joke. I, I have no more joke. That's period. Boom. Get out of there. Yeah, it's a little hard to make jokes right now, but... Well, it's not so much that it's hard, it's just I had the one good one, and then I should have gotten out of there and, like, realized, yep, end on a high note, and then get out of there. You know, like, <laughs> that police officer, he could have gone in there and said, where's the kid? They say, I don't know, in a creepy voice, and he said, this is a cult? Okay, cool, bye. <laughs> that should have been his note, his cue to really exit should have stage been. right. Yeah. But instead, he did the, the, the British thing. <laughs> What do you mean there's no Catholicism on this island? <laughs> Blasphemy! I did absolutely no research and I'm baffled about these things I am just now learning. <laughs> uh, oh. <laughs> so, uh, this week we watched The Wicker Man. Not the Nick Cage one. The other one. <laughs> Not, yeah, it's we, the original. I, yeah. yeah, we love us some Nick Cage. The one with but... Christopher Lee. Yeah. yeah. Not the Bees version. Yeah, not the Bees. We're not watching oh, Bee movies this bees. week. Only A movies in this household. <laughs> <laughs> Only A movies. A movies. As in A, this was a good one. It was. A. I like it. Yeah. No, this was really good one of those horror movies they always bring up like people try to fight back against the claim that horror is like a trash genre and they like well look at the wicker man it's it's got some pretty poetic things to see and hear and taste and smell don't you think yeah this movie had smell yes. vision <laughs> it yeah. really did i could smell i don't know the, what the product in christopher lee's hair you could smell that Oh my god! I can smell that cult bullshit from a mile away. Right? Uh, yep. Oh. <laughs> it was, it, well, let's talk about this later. But um, it was interesting to see how it influenced a lot of modern horror movies. There are, like, certain shots and set pieces that Midsommar just snatched right out of this movie. But, like, it does it in a loving way. Like, it does it as an homage. But I just think it's interesting to see how this influenced... Uh, but we'll get into that. For now, we will do a plot overview. The Wicker Man is about a police officer. Um, what was his name? Inspector? It was something really silly. Neil Howie. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Howie. <laughs> Howie. I literally just watched it again today before we started Wait, this. really? Yeah. That's nice. awesome. Um, yeah, I liked it that much. <laughs> I was like, I gotta wow. watch it again. That's a good that's sign. Nice. Yeah. 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 Um, so Mr. Howie learns he receives an anonymous letter that this girl has gone missing from this island so he goes by himself to the secluded island and this weird little community to look for this missing girl and everyone's like i've never heard of her in my life she doesn't live here he finds her name on a list of students at the school oh that girl yeah she's fine 
nope, she's not missing or dead at all. She's just out in the fields frolicking. Oh no, she's well, a rabbit. Well, there's one teacher who's just said, one teacher's just like said she's straight up dead. Yeah. Well, she said she's not. She's not. We don't say the word dead. She's yeah. They reborn. really beat around the bush. <laughs> yeah. Uh, They're like just like trying their best to like get this dude to like go crazy by yeah. giving him like the the oddest little well part pardon the little euphemism the the rabbits to chase. Yeah. No, that's accurate. I mean, then. In the meantime, there's just all these weird rituals going on. So this island, he soon learns, um, follows a kind of older pagan religion. And Christopher Lee is sort of the leader of this group. And they believe if they do all these certain rituals, their crops will grow and their people will be fertile. There's a lot of nakedness and having sex in public. And singing songs about having sex. My favorite part was when he's just kind of wandering and he looks over and there's this young naked lady just sitting on a grave. I don't even know. I think she's crying. And she's, yeah, she's just like crying touching really all over. Hard. And I'm just like, that's a fucking mood. <laughs> yeah, um, right. I just respect yeah. her. But like, I don't want to ever be naked outside. There's just too many variables. What if a bug got in there? Yeah, that's that'd be like the big gross. one. I, that's that's why I prefer gross. to say variables instead of examples. Yeah. Yeah, and so eventually he finds out weird stuff's going on. Oh, and he's a he's a very devout Christian and the entire time is just appalled that that there are other religions besides Christianity. <laughs> yeah, the Catholics that John Mullaney is always making fun of in his specials, that's the kind of Catholic this man is. Just re- very much um there's like this kind of we we touched on it a little bit, but like the the thing with the crops growing, there's like a a little bit of a story where um like Christopher Lee's character Lord Summer Isle, um f- fun name, <laughs> yeah. Um, but he's he had he has like this like family history where his grandfather moved to that island because his grandfather was like an agricultural scientist and was trying to figure out ways to grow certain crops in like the soil that the island has and so the natives to the island um helped him and the only way they got he got them to help him was like to let them like practice their religion freely and then his grandpa had a son and then the son was raised in that and then christopher lee's character was raised by his dad in the in the religion and so it's, like, kind of, like, this generational thing where, like, it didn't really start like that. It was, like, he he makes a point to say, like, his grandfather was, like, kind of an atheist and was just interested in science. And then, like, through that, he, like, like his family became part of, like, this, um, like, religion because of their links to, like, nature and stuff. And, yeah, it's a whole thing. <laughs> Yeah. No, I thought it was really interesting, though, because I think that whole story, like, kind of encapsulates the themes of this movie, which mm-hmm. is just this marriage of new and old and the ways they contrast and the ways they complement each other. Um, mm-hmm. I think I watched this for the first time a couple years ago when I was in college, and I think the first time I saw it, I was kind of confused of, like, 
I guess I was expecting it to take more of a side, you know? And I was like, well, yeah. the the main guy, the inspector, who's a devout Christian, is pretty annoying throughout the whole film. And, like, <laughs> I don't think the movie really sides with him. He's kind of judgmental. And I think that they portray him as a an asshole in, like, every way. But then, well, spoiler alert, but I think most people know how this movie ends. He gets burned alive inside a giant man made out of wicker man yeah a wicker man the wicker Um, man wasn't inside him all along he was inside inside the wicker man all along he was inside the wicker man at the end of the movie (laughs) yes they burned him up like hot tamales (laughs) jesus (laughs) they did indeed that's what he said what (laughs) i'm sorry oh god oh jesus well it's like it's even more broad than that. There's just, like, a lot of conversation between, like, like contrasting religions, how they, like, see the world differently, how they see the world the same, and how they um, do, do certain things that are very similar and yet different, and how they kind of hate each other for it. Yeah, it was, it was interesting, because they, it approaches, like... The function of a religion from a very objective standpoint of like, oh, this helps people be productive and grow their crops. But I feel like it also does take time to examine, like, the things about faith that maybe we can't understand. I think there's still a mysticism to this movie and like, well, maybe this does work for their crops. I mean, like, you know, maybe God is listening to this inspector guy and and, I mean, Christopher Lee even says to him, like, hey... You know, I respect your religion, and if you think about it, I've actually given you, like, the greatest gift I can give to a Christian. You're gonna have a martyr's death. So congratulations. Mm -hmm. You'll be a saint. And, like, you'll be in heaven, and it'll work out really good for you. Well, I I kind of like that it it is a bit more of the practical side, because for me, the human... The humanness is what is more terrifying because I know I'm I'm not as uh, spiritual or as religious as others, but I know people exist and I know religious practices exist. And this movie isn't so much worried about the the idea of whether or not Christianity versus paganism. It's more looking at the how people believe and what they do for those beliefs. That is a fascinating question and how... Um, the community is stronger than the individual, usually, in terms of society and in terms of religion. I like yeah. that a lot. And we had an interesting discussion right after we watched this, because, like, like I said, I wouldn't really say it comes down on the side of one or the other. Like, the Christian guy is portrayed as kind of obnoxious, but the pagans are portrayed as murderers. Um, so we had this discussion of, like, oh, because they have a note at the beginning of this film of, like, thanks to the people of this certain island for letting us borrow some of their rituals and base some of this off of their practices. Uh, Which brought up the question, like, oh, so I guess, like, the religion this was based on was chill with this? Like, you know, they weren't mad that they were being portrayed as murderers, but, like, it really is a little bit more complex than that. There really isn't a good or a bad guy. It's... It's kind of like a perspective on, like, because it's a a newer place and yet a lot of the practices are so old, it's like you're looking at a mirror of, like, 
a really, really old thing that used to happen in the British Isles where, you know, the the British and the Catholics would come over and convert people and um, do, like, they told them, like, you know, your religion is wrong, you need to follow God, yada yada. You know how, you know how colonialism is. <laughs> um, but, like, there's not numbers. So, there's just the one guy. And so it's like the the safety in numbers is taken away and so the outcome is totally different. And so I, I think that's a really interesting way of looking at it also. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was just going to say the names of the, the small Scottish towns of Gatehouse of Fleet, Newton Stewart, Kirk Cudbright, and Creetown in Galloway, as well as Plockton in Rossshire. Oh, cool. But yeah, I was, uh, there are certain, we'll bring this up, but like Midsummer, which is a full co- a modern folk horror that came out last year, I think, that takes a lot from this movie. Because The Wicker Man really is, it's, it probably wasn't the first folk horror film, but it is the most influential in terms of the horror scene. Mm-hmm. So like, even we were talking about Midsummer because it's the biggest folk horror movie right now. Um, you couldn't pay me to go sit in a field in Holland where there there's no electricity and I have to sleep in a barn. But you would totally sucker me in to staying on Summer Isle. That place is aesthetic as hell. And I yeah. would I wouldn't mind um almost <laughs> almost be No, it's, I I was trying to think of a bit. It's like almost being burned alive. Because I, I I thought about it. It's like, <laughs> would I mind being burned alive? Yeah, I think I would. Yeah. I haven't seen Midsommar, but from what I've seen of, like, the landscape and stuff in that movie, um, cool. I would also live there, but anytime I, well, really just anytime I watch, like, folk horror films where it's, like, there's, like, a cult out in the middle of nowhere, I'm just like, yeah, I want to live on a farm. Why am I not living on a farm? <laughs> As someone who comes from a farm, you really do want to think about that because it smells like cow shit a hundred percent of the time, and you get to hear what cows yeah. sound like when they have sex, I and mean, it is like, the worst. I know that, be- like, and I also kind of grew up on a farm. My backyard when I was growing up, there was a cow field like right behind my backyard. So <laughs> the flies will like literally They're- eat you alive too. It's kind of yeah. terrifying. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but anytime I watch those movies, I'm just like, damn, why am I not growing apples or, like, just, like, living out in the middle of nowhere and dancing to folk music all the time? That's the life. Because you gotta see what Danny DeVito updated on his Twitter! <laughs> yeah, right? Who says we can't have Wi-Fi on the Summer Isles? Summer Isle, <laughs> I assume. Hey, guys, d- update fam. Just burned alive some copper. ACAB. Lol, hashtag lols. <laughs> yeah. I mean, of course they wouldn't put that on line, but, like, I don't know. I mean, Netflix well, we had sometimes. We had the theory that, like, because we were thinking, like, okay, are the other cops going to go after him at some point? Like, surely he left a paper trail of, like, where he was going. And then... Of course, when they show up and the town is creepily like, oh, he was never here. Oh, I've never seen him. He may be dead. He may not be. Um, 
then they're going to be suspicious. But then we had the other theory of like, you know, this guy is probably so insufferable that like maybe the other cops just wanted him to go. Like, oh, this would <laughs> yeah. be the perfect like, job for you. They all clearly knew. They all clearly knew. They were like, this is clearly a sacrificial thing. No one go. And then one guy's like, what? Ah, that's poppycock. There's a child at stake. But dude, this, no one signed it. What are you talking about? Yeah. Like, he stole the last donut in the box, and they, like, clearly <laughs> saved it for the guy who was, like, coming in because it was his birthday, but he had to, like, drive his wife to work. And they said, okay, save that donut for Charlie. And then this guy just takes the donut, and he said, well, if the Lord wanted him to have the donut, he would have come earlier. And then they were like, you know what? Fuck him. Go to that aisle. Have fun. Yes. Oh, so can we talk about that scene where the innkeeper's daughter is like trying to seduce him because that was simultaneously the funniest shit and the creepiest shit i've ever seen that was like (laughs) she was getting it like okay so like that scene is like he's fixing to go to bed and then in the next room she like undresses and starts dancing around naked in her room and like he can hear her i guess and it's like like seducing him or something yeah she's like pounding on the wall she's pounding on the wall and like like... singing to him yeah Yeah, that's what it sounds like and she's like shaking (laughs) her butt she starts like smacking her butt at one point and is just like she's getting down and it doesn't work he's not seduced but well first off it's through a wall I'd be yeah. like, cool singing, but I'm trying to go to bed. And if it kept going, yeah. then I would be that vine that's like, I ain't getting no sleep because of y'all. <laughs> I'm going to do a bit. No I'm going to walk away from the microphone real quick. So, so here's right. the lady sexing. Get your fucking tits off my wall. I'm trying to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good. That's the bit. I appreciate See, I know it. how to exit a bit now. You did um, it. No, I, as someone who, my upstairs neighbors are still just screaming and partying, and it sounds why like there are they, plenty of them Why every day. are they still there? <laughs> Leave. Uh, you know, aren't we all asking ourselves that question? Anyway, uh, but no, I would not be seduced by that. Who is seduced by obnoxious sounds? I love that soundtrack so much. Yeah, I really do. no, the music in this film is like incredible. It's just a lot of really eerie kind of folk songs, and they're super memorable and like just carry this weight of emotion that really stays with you. I agree with that. Although I will say there were only two songs I like legit liked, like out of context. I would have said like, "Oh man, this is a bop. I want to save this on my Spotify." It was uh during the when the ceremony actually started and like someone was it was just a violin jam and then the final song where they're like singing to the burning man mm-hmm. i actually found yeah. the entire soundtrack on spotify and i was listening to it earlier too <laughs> heck yeah i loved a comparison you made kyla where um a lot of the the folk songs sounded like um that 70s song the cult leader and mandy was trying to yeah. seduce Mandy with. It really does. Uh, I I really appreciate that. I mean, I'm assuming Mandy took some inspiration from this film, just a little bit. I mean, it's hard to imagine any cult movies not taking inspiration from this film. Do you guys know what a hurdy-gurdy is? Yes. I've heard, yeah. <laughs> okay, Um. 
Well, well, I'm going to explain it anyways to the listeners at home. A hurdy-gurdy is like a, it's like a weird little violin, and it's got a knob on the end that you turn, and it makes like this kind of sound, but like, I, I felt like there was some hurdy-gurdy music in this. It was very folksy, and I liked it. And hurdy-gurdies are originally Celtic, I think, so that ties into that a lot, so. That's kind of cool. I love that scene. So when he is burning alive and his answer is to pray and he starts singing at the top of his lungs this uh, hymn as the people around him are singing their song. And like to me, that is absolutely a summary of this movie is just those two songs kind of being pitted against each other, but they complement each other pretty well, too. I don't know. It's just interesting. Like, just wrapping my mind around this over and over again, like, the way these two sides still complement each other, even though they are so different. Well, part of me wonders if he had listened to the woman's song and, like, you know, gotten a little (laughs) freaky-deaky, would he have been saved? Yeah, because they needed- purity was part of the things that- Yeah, they needed a virgin- yeah, no, I got the yeah, impression that she was virgin. that she was testing him. Yeah, this is one of the horror movies where sex is good. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> pretty sex much. Will save you. And again, I do think that this movie strikes a really good balance between like being skeptical but also acknowledging that there are things about the world that we cannot understand. So, like. I don't know, just some of the imagery, like the nature imagery, uh, in between scenes, they'll just cut to like the trees or the fields or the ocean. Uh, and then the last image of the film is this setting sun that's just this bright orange and it literally looks like the eye of God. And it's just kind of cool. It's such a, it's such a good movie. Like, there, there's so, there's so much you can pull out of this movie. And I feel like that's part of the reason why it's so good. Um, you can have a, a whole bunch of different conversations about, like, the same scenes, but get, like, different readings out of it each time. I think this is the most beautiful movie I've seen for this for this podcast. Yeah, I would say so, too. Yeah. Um, maybe only rivaled by The Witch, which also takes a yeah. lot of inspiration from this film. That too, yeah. The folk horror has such a strong relation to nature that it's almost impossible for the landscape not to be a character in and of itself. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I mean, um, that that brings me to something I was thinking of, like, because they were making sacrifices to their gods, and you know, we kind of like in in Catholic and like in Christian stuff we kind of make our own kind of sacrifices especially like during the early ages we also did sacrifices i don't think of human type although the abraham story is there um but they're like oh whoa not supposed to do that (laughs) um but it there there's a comparison between these like two different things being opposite and yet having such similar practices well there's even the scene where um he's like thinking back to himself in church where i think he's um he's partaking in communion which is kind of symbolic of the sacrifice 
of first of all the 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 land no the firstborns the firstborns and the lambs having to be sacrificed to have the shadow of death pass over and then um jesus saying this is my body and this is my uh blood offered up to you um so i think there is like a line of sacrifice within christianity we just i think we hit the jesus point and we were like oh we're good (laughs) (laughs) yeah um yeah there's just and then the very end where detective howie is like so like he's so devoutly catholic and he just throughout the whole movie is like talking about you know how his religion is correct and like looking down on these people calling them heathens but then like you realize that he like he like kind of does something different where he just basically denies them their religion it's like it's not real it's not gonna work and if you if you kill me and it doesn't work then you're gonna have to kill another person and it's just gonna keep going and like it's almost like the you have lord summer isle saying it will work and so you have these two like opposing forces just talking to each other about like their different religions and how how like strongly they both feel about them and you don't know who's correct (laughs) Well, and actually, for me, that's the one point where the sergeant, what's his name, Howie? Yeah, um, Howie. That's when he, I think he has the most point, is when he he almost drops religion for a moment. And like, yeah. he's like, well, okay, well, let's look at it logically and see what happens if if this doesn't come through for you. And I'm like, you are, this is the most sense you've made yet, and it's too late in the game. Yeah. Sorry, buddy. <laughs> It's like the the only time you have any kind of sense is when you're being sacrificed. <laughs> like like and to go back to the the like the story of Lord Summerisle and his family like the he he only starts like he he came to the island to look for like fertile soil and stuff and um it worked for a little bit but it it's not working anymore and so you have you have him thinking logically at the very end, but because he has insulted these people over and over again, you you almost kind of feel like Lord Summer Isle is just like ignoring any kind of scientific talk at the very end of this because like, you know, you could have talked to me about this earlier. I've given you many chances to talk to me about this and yet you just look down on me and my people. And so we're just going to throw you in a fire. Fuck you. <laughs> and well, I think for me, it's, it's, I don't know. Cause I, I don't know if I got that. I got more of the sense of he was desperate and he didn't want to seem weak in front of his people because this was something that in my mind, he was like, the community needs this. They need mm-hmm. to believe in this. We need to be together on this. Cause part of what makes the last scene so horrifying is that, he he has done everything possible. He has made himself so human. He has pleaded with them. Mm-hmm. He has done it. And they still sacrifice him with, with like, almost carefree smiles on their faces. Mm-hmm. It, I mean, almost yeah. like it's nothing. Yeah, I mean, that's part it's of it, It's like, too. I can understand revenge. I can understand malice. But what's terrifying about um, 
the wicker man and like other folk horror films is like it's it's about it's not about you it's about something bigger that you can't even begin to understand and it's terrifying but at the same time this movie has so much like it's community versus individualism and yet the two the two most prominent characters are the most individualistic of them all and so you can see like motivations for both a community that they're a part of and their own motivations um and i when when i was watching that scene for a second time i was like oh yeah he's he's pissed at this guy and he is also like you know he the community needs this they need to believe in something and so they're gonna do this sacrifice and what better way to do it than someone who has insulted your people over and over again during the time that he's been there so Okay, I mean, I I just don't get the impression that at least that the most of the people were annoyed. Christopher Lee might have been. Um, oh no, I'm I'm talking like straight specifically about Lord Summer Isle. I'm not talking about any of the other okay, people okay. on the island. Yeah, I mean, I don't know though. I still feel I feel like he was actually at the end of the day he really did believe what he was telling them, and I think. In the back of his mind, he knows, like, that there's a practical reason for it, but I think he just convinced himself. Yeah, I know, and I'm not not saying, like, that he doesn't believe in that. I'm just saying, like, there is a second motive for doing it. Like, the Mm. main motive is to help the community. The second motive is that, you know, you have this man here... You, you don't know him at first, but when you start talking to him and you kind of are trying to level with him, especially in the scenes where, like, they first meet and they're talking about, um, like, why Lord Summer Isle's family came there in the first place, you know, the practices of the people and likening them to um, Christian practices. He talks about how Mary was knocked up by a ghost and how kind of unbelievable that also sounds. Um, in relation to, like, their gods and, like, the gods of fertility and, like, um, how they basically worship, like, sexual unity without actually having sex all of the time. Um, and how, like, even though that sounds blasphemous to Detective Howie, to Lord Summerisle, um, the whole thing about being, like, you know, being knocked up by a ghost and like how this is like the lord and savior and how like un um like unbelievable that kind of sounds especially to someone who wasn't raised with the religion i don't know and then you're just watching detective howie like spit on his people and like call them heathens and like tell lord summer isle basically that like because he worships this, he he has, like, lower intelligence despite the fact that he comes from, like, a whole line of scientific people. And <laughs> and it's just this whole thing where, like, I'm watching these scenes. I'm, like, seeing the eye twitch in, in, in Christopher Lee's face. And it's just, like, you can see, like, the insult after insult. My people, my family, all of this other stuff. And yet, like... Even though they, they're doing the sacrifice anyways, they're just like, oh, well, this guy deserves it now by the end of it. Like, that's, that's I, I kind know. of what that's... I got from that as I was watching it well, a second I think, time. 
for me, that's also part of the one of the redeeming factors of the the town and the religion and why you kind of are so upset with this cop is they never, at least to me, come across as vindictive or petty. They're so confident in what in their beliefs and in who they are, and that the the cop has all those traits and that the the payoff it fe- it feels almost like it justifies all the the horrifying things but i think it's a great subversion of that expectation of you go into a cult and you are just like spit on and thrown on and resented and like pagans are the ones who hate christianity but it's like no yeah. you came here and and we are we are stronger we are stronger. That's it's, yeah. it's that's the period thing. It's almost like he's a fly. He's like a fly, mm-hmm. an annoying fly, and that like they may they may like swat a little bit, but like he is nothing. He is absolutely nothing in wake of like everything they have built. Even though he's this sacrifice, he f- still feels so so little in terms of their gods and their beliefs and their structure of society and how confident they are in that that i i do see i do see what you're saying and that there is a little bit the the disrespect especially i saw it with the teacher scene where she's trying Mm -hmm. to explain it to him um but i just i think it's so it's such a smart move for the film to focus on the strength of the community comes from the the positive attributes rather than the negative because that's what makes it more horrifying is that i can understand why this works yeah, um, I, w- I was just talking about, like, Lord Summer Isle's character development more specifically than, like, the community as a whole, because watching the community, they're just, they're just all, despite the fact that he is terrible to them, they, they are still, like, the most nice to him that they can be, <laughs> um, you know, and it's, like, just so odd that, like, you know, Human sacrifice, that's just a thing that they do, but, you know, with, with, like, the more, like, scholarly type person that's in, like, in their community, and, um, just, like, comparing him to Detective Howie and how, like, by the end of it, like, even Lord Summerisle kind of stoops to this, like, well here you go, if you want, you want something from your religion, here you go, we're gonna give you a martyr's death, um, and we were gonna give that to you anyways, but now, like, you're really gonna get it now. I don't know. I guess I, I also saw that as a comfort, kind of like Kyla was saying, where it's like, you know what, at least I'll get a nice little stained glass window. Yeah, but, like, there's, like, a double meaning to everything in this movie, like, it, oh, yeah. It could be, like, they're trying to comfort him, but also, like, well, it can also kind of be a spit in the face. It's, there's a lot of double think in this movie because of, like, the the actions of the people, you know, they're so nice and yet they're murdering people. Um, they, <laughs> they, like, practice alternative medicine and, and yet somehow it works. And, you know, all this other stuff, it, like, it's not supposed to... Like, it doesn't make sense. I don't know if it's supposed to. I don't to. know. I still want to see that little girl's charts after she swallowed that frog. I don't I don't buy it. I'm sorry. She didn't That's another one of those times where I'm like, now, Howie, I don't agree with you on a lot of things, but I do think that little girl needs a vaccine. Yeah, no, she she definitely does. Um, I, I don't think she swallowed the frog. She just kept it in her mouth for, like, five seconds, and then she got candy for spitting it out. That's still too many. That's still too many seconds. Yeah. But yeah, it's just there there's a lot of 
double think in this movie, if I'm using that word right. Like, well, double meaning, maybe. Yeah, there's a lot of double meaning in this movie, and um, the the foils between all of, like, the community versus the individual versus, like, the, the goings-on between the personal versus the community. I, I just said that again, but, like, mo- as motivation instead of, like, um, like, as a physical... And there's just a lot to analyze in this movie, and I really, really love it. And I'm, I'm, I'm stupid for like religious conflict films. I really am. <laughs> I don't know yeah. why. Oh, me too. It's, it's interesting. It's just such a compelling theme, and it's. I think it's relevant. You know, it was relevant in the '70s. It's relevant today. It'll be relevant a hundred years from now, and. Mm-hmm. I think that's always going to be a part of the human experience, no matter what form it takes. The aesthetic also of religions is so, is so beautiful. Like, uh, mm-hmm. all the different the different kinds. Like, Catholicism has its own um, gothic architecture. And, mm-hmm. like, I think I said this while we were watching the movies. Ah, the Catholics. Great buildings, bad rules. Um, <laughs> yeah. And this one, like, really has an appreciation for the... Um, the pagan aesthetics too and even though these horrifying things are happening the whole time i'm like damn this is beautiful yeah yes i i was just thinking about like because they also say like a lot of the buildings and stuff were left over from uh when like the priests were still there and then when they were when they basically allowed the uh the native islanders to like still practice their own religions the the priests got scared and left as another tidbit of lore i guess um but like all of the buildings are left over from that time period and so like you as you're looking at it you can see like nature is just overgrowing on like the graveyard and like on the buildings and everything and you can just see like these crumbling stone bricks and it contrasts so much with, like, the one bit of, like, the Catholic Church that we get to see in Detective Howie's, like, flashback of him doing communion. And how, like, rigid and, like, perfect the bricks look and, like, how the stained glass windows are, like, you know, they just look perfect. And then you look to the other side of it and everything is organic and breaking down and still beautiful in such a different way and i I love that too i just do (laughs) yeah um one thing i would like to also talk about what we mentioned but this is very important christopher lee was absolutely killing it in this movie yes the kill him and his (laughs) oh my gosh yeah so we have to describe this outfit like okay um, we're gonna Let's go. paint you a word picture. I'm gonna see. Go... We've talked about like architecture and like aesthetic and like <laughs> culture, and now we get to the piece de resistance, which is Christopher, Christopher Lee's Lee. outfits. <laughs> okay, so we're gonna go head to toe here. Um, first off, his hair perfectly like coiffed, nice '70s look. He's got like gray coming out of the sides of his sideburns little bit of gray Very hair. 70s. <laughs> then you go down a little bit, you see, like, he's wearing 
like a black jacket with like little white studs all over it and then he's wearing like this really fancy lace cravat he looks like Liberace (laughs) on the top (laughs) and then you go down he's wearing this red plaid like kilt and he's (laughs) you know goes got one of those like pouches on the front it's got the pouch (laughs) and he's a big old belt buckle okay and he's sitting there playing the piano. That's all you see at one point. He's sitting there playing the piano and, like, singing with the the school teacher of the island. And then he gets up at one point and starts walking away. He's wearing these knee-high socks. And they're plaid socks. They're bright red and white. And it looks like a candy cane. And he's got these nice little dress shoes on. <laughs> it's the funny... It's like... The, I know for a fact that, like, some of that is actually, like, traditional garb. But, like... It's so contrasting with, like, the top part of his outfit. It's really kind of funny. <laughs> yeah. He's no, not a snack. He's not a meal. Easy. He's a buffet. Yes, he's a buffet. That's true. I mean. He's a buffet. And, oh, my gosh. Always the turtleneck more. look. Bam. The yellow yes. turtleneck look turtleneck. is iconic. Yes. He, okay. So, like, he's, like, dressed up as, like, one of the icons of their religion during the May Day Parade. He leads them with a sickle and a big, long weed. Yeah, he's got, wig. like, a share wig on. <laughs> and he's got, like... <laughs> because they're good. This is a sacrifice to the sun god, right? Because it's sunny and sure. <laughs> Do you believe in life after night? If I could turn back time. <laughs> if I could sacrifice. <laughs> <laughs> then you burn and burn and burn. <laughs> okay, we gotta stop with the share jokes. <laughs> um, but like he's wearing this share wig and like he's got this weird makeup on and like this really long kind of dress gown thing in a sickle and he's walking around and they they have their like little ceremony in like this stone circle area and then they go to the beach. And then they, then, okay, so there's a part where Detective Howie, like, beats the shit out of this guy and steals his Mayday costume, and he's, like, dressed as the fool, (laughs) and so he, like, has to, like, blend in, because, like, people are getting suspicious as to why he's not participating in the parade, and so he just, like, starts beating people with stuff, and they're like, yes, that's perfect, keep going, (laughs) but, like... (laughs) The full costume looks like Mr. Blobby. Anyways, Mr. Blobby. (laughs) And then the women, like, gather around and start beating Mr. Blobby with sticks. And then he, like, tries to whack them away with his little stick. And they turn their butts around. And they're, like, really into it. Yeah, they're, like, Yeah, they're into it. Yeah. (laughs) Harder, Mr. um, Bobby. Or what's his name? Blobby? Mr. Blobby. He's, like, this little pink. Yeah, I'm not gonna do that joke again. He's, like, this little pink weird thing from, like, British pop culture, and he's creepy, and I hate him. <laughs> Do you remember that painting of the the where you can either see like the chin of a beautiful young woman or like the nose and chin of like a really old woman? Yeah, you remember that? He looks like the yeah. old woman from one of yeah. those optical illusions yeah. to me. It's, he it's really very crone like the way they do the the nose of that mask. Um. Anyway, mm-hmm. so like they. They find out Rowan's alive. She's sitting up in, like, this, like, sea cave kind of thing, and they're waiting to, quote-unquote, sacrifice her. And so, 
Um, Detective Howie is still dressed in his costume. He he runs up and like basically kind of just picks up the girl and runs like the other direction. And then they get to like the top of the, the other side of this like small hill on the beach and Christopher Lee is sitting there already in a totally different outfit with like he, his makeup is gone, the wig is gone. <laughs> He's like sitting there in like the yellow turtleneck and blazer and like these really nice pants and shoes and his hair is all messed up because the wind. And he's just like, hey, what's up? It's like, how did you get there so fast? <laughs> the theatrics of it all is so perfect. Mm-hmm. Like, I can just imagine, like, as soon as he's in the sea cave, he's like, places, everyone. All right, get me my turtleneck. Someone get me the baby wipes. It's time to get this off in time for act three. Yeah, he literally did, like, a quick change. He just, like, threw the wig and dress off and was like, all right, let's go. <laughs> yeah. Everyone's like, oh, his face is go- he's gonna look so surprised. It's gonna be great. <laughs> yeah, it was good. And then, you know, you find out, like, Rowan was in on it, too. She was just, like, serving as bait to get him to, like, the place yeah. that they needed him to be at. Oh, I want to talk about that scene. So when she comes out, she's wearing this beautiful white dress, and she has flowers, like, mm-hmm. colorful flowers around her neck and a flower crown, and, like, spitting image of, um... Midsomar mm-hmm. of Florence Pugh at the end of Midsomar and like I it just reminded me like what a beautiful homage that was mm-hmm. um and yeah that is all basically but I think like it would be really interesting to take those two movies and analyze them side by side yeah I and the way this seen... has influenced that I still have not seen Midsomar that's one that I need to I mean thematically I they're incredibly different mm-hmm. but like they do but I think Midsommar borrows from this in just enough ways to, yeah. like... I guess it borrows from it more it's in less... aesthetic ways. Yeah. Well, I still think there's a lot of themes of individual versus community in there. I think they actually lean more heavily on that one because this one has more of the religious angle, whereas Midsommar is more about um, connection in terms of interpersonal relationships as opposed to religion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I have issues with parts of it, but overall I think it's it's a it's a thoughtful, thought provoking film. Yes, it's yeah, a good for it's a both of them. Good film. And so far and this mm-hmm. movie. I do like the I do like this one better, I will say. Yeah, I think this one will hold up better in the long run, you know? Like yeah. I would be interested to see how Midsomar holds up. But like I think that Obviously, The Wicker Man has proved that it holds up really well. So yeah, I mean, like, and I think it's like I would be remake. more likely to rewatch it. <laughs> I still yeah. kind of want to watch That's the right. Nicolas Cage remake just to see how it compares because I haven't seen it yet. Right? Oh, I want to. I really want to so, watch it. Oh my god! It's. I wish it was it's on so Netflix. Sexist that it goes all the way and pulls a U-turn, and it's just kind of hilarious because. <laughs> It's just they do they do not understand what makes this film great and it's so funny how little they understand. And of course Nicolas Cage is just the cherry on top where he's just running around caging it mm-hmm. up. It's great. Like that scene <laughs> where he just punches that guy in the clown costume. Imagine just a really big guy lum- lumbering around in a bear costume and then a woman says, "Is something wrong, sister Edith?" and then the bear just claps. <laughs> <him>. <laughs> And that's the vibe of the 
Oh my yes. god! I will send you a clip once this is over, and I recommend oh everyone else watch I'm... that clip too. Like you shouldn't watch the whole thing, but maybe watch that. I, scene. I'm still probably gonna watch the yeah. whole thing. Let's be real. <laughs> yeah, I still want to watch it. Um, potential Patreon special? Ooh, maybe. Because I do really want to see it. It was on Netflix at one point. Yeah, and it was on Netflix at one point. I do remember that. Are there any last thoughts about The Wicker Man? Um, I loved it. I like it. It's a, it's a classic for a reason. I think it holds up. Yes. I really yeah. like it. Um, the guy that played, uh, Detective Howie was, like, a weird vintage version of Daniel Craig to me. He, he, that's who he reminded me of. Yeah, I remember you mentioned yeah. that. <laughs> Just another thing to, like, put out there. But anyway, so, clearing, to finish things off, yes, go watch this movie um before we go i do have just a thing i want to say to everyone which is like we acknowledge at the top of the show that there's some really bad shit going on right now in the world and we're all going through it and feeling it and like honestly i don't feel like i'm very well equipped to do anything about it but i will say that if you need anyone to talk to if you're lonely or you just want to talk about horror movie stuff please feel free to reach out like even if you've never talked to any of us before i honestly love making internet friends like i'm friendly and i like talking to random people so if for whatever reason you're just going through a rough time and want someone to talk to you can reach out to us on twitter you can join our lunar light discord server and just like i guess i just want you to know that like, we're here, we're all going through the same thing, and you're not alone, and we're going to make it out of this. Mm-hmm. I agree. I, I'm i going to just repeat the things they've said on the news. Uh, wash your hands for, like, 20 to 30 seconds. If you hum the first part of the Netflix and Kill theme song, that should get you through it. Stay away from any cults. Stay away from cults and find something that brings you joy and cling to it and celebrate it. You deserve yeah. to feel joy right now, and mm-hmm. things will get better. You can find us on Twitter at Netflix underscore in underscore kill. My Twitter is at Kai, K-Y, the Jedi. You can find me at Frosty the R0Bot. Um, you can find me uh, on the internet just now finding out that The Wicker Man is also a song by Iron Maiden made in honor of this yep. film. Oh, sweet. It's a good song. So you can find me, Dancing in the Sun, A Newborn in the Light, Say Goodbye to Gravity, and Say Goodbye to Death, Hello to Eternity, and Live Forever Wonderful. Heck I'm yeah. I'm gonna listen to the song. This sounds cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> With that in your minds, stay cool. Um, stay safe. Something about corn husks. Corn ribs, and barley ribs. And be plentiful. <laughs> <laughs>